By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Today we're talking about Eurovision, the full title of which is Eurovision Song Contest colon the story of Fire Saga, um, which is a title definitely deliver deliberately chosen to trip me up and make sure no one ever gets the title of this movie completely correct ever. Um, but it's a 2020 musical comedy film. It came out on Netflix, um, which is what we're doing nowadays with Mo Corona Movie Club is picking things that are specifically Netflix releases so that as many people as possible have access to them. So if you want to check out Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga before listening to this call, I definitely recommend it. This movie really took me by surprise. I am not generally a Will Ferrell fan. Um, you know, I love Stranger Than Fiction when he really departed from his usual style. But other than that, he just doesn't really do it for me. Um, the sort of, like, lots of improv, very goofy comedy. He's just really not my style. Um, so I wasn't expecting to love this movie. And then it really just kind of won my heart. Um, it's lovely. It's got a lot more structure than the average Will Ferrell comedy. Rachel McAdams, obviously, is absolutely winning, as she always is. Um, it's all about the Eurovision Song Contest, which again, I know about, but I've never watched it. It's not something that's like important to me or I relate to really, but, um, it was, it, it's a really interesting world. It was a great setting for the movie. It created a lot of opportunity for, um, storytelling and comedy and musical moments where this movie is for some reason categorized as a musical comedy. It is not just for the record. It is not a musical um, that drives me crazy when movies with music in them, say movies about musicians, um, for example, which is often the case, usually movies about musicians, um, are called musicals when, just because there are lots of songs in them. Um, a musical is when the characters sing their feelings, uh, sort of unprompted in a, mo in a moment when a real human wouldn't be singing. Um, that is not this movie. This movie is a straight up, just normal comedy about musicians, um, but it does have a lot of music in it. The music is really fun, really memorable. Dan Stevens is in it as, um, he's not really the villain. He's kind of, he's not even really an antagonist. He's just, he's there. He's awesome. He, this is maybe my favorite performance of his since he killed off Matthew Crawley, spoiler alert for many, many, many years ago on a show you everyone's forgotten about. Um, but he's great in this movie. He's got this song called Lion of Love that is just aces. 
just a just fabulous. You should watch it. Even if you don't for some reason want to watch this movie, at least go YouTube Dan Stevens his performance in this movie because it's pretty special. Um so yeah, this movie was delayed by the pandemic, but it did eventually come out on June 26th. Um so what are you waiting for? You should go watch it. Um enjoy. Um okay, so I'm just going to open by saying that I expected to hate this movie because I don't like Will Ferrell movies except for Stranger Than Fiction, which is not a Will Ferrell movie. It's just a movie Will Ferrell is in. (laughs) Um, He's just not my brand of humor. We disagree about what's funny. So I expected to just kind of have to sit through this movie and like wait till the end. But I really enjoyed it, um, which Nicole actually predicted, but I didn't trust her. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was it was delightful, and he was like, I mean, obviously he was my least favorite thing about it, but it was still great. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy that after 11 years, I still have an idea of the nuance of things that Kelly might still enjoy in spite of the things that she hates. <laughs> that girl, I feel so seen. That 5%, <laughs> that 5% of... <laughs> I truly thought it was... I just thought it was incredible. I mean, full disclosure, I was a little stoned while watching it. And I honestly kind of think that if you're not high while watching that movie, then you're probably doing it wrong. Oops. But <laughs> that aside, it really was one of those movies where I went in thinking, this is going to be very stupid. And like, I'm in the appropriate state for that. But then Sally Field's switch, suddenly I was just like, I'm fully invested in this because weirdly all of the music is, it's like banger after banger, even though they're terrible. Like they're bad, but I I loved every moment. They're not bad. (laughs) They're a little bad. bad. I tried to get Brian uh, to sing one of the duets with me in celebration of the (laughs) podcast. And he has not seen Eurovision yet so I tried to get him to agree to Volcano Man (laughs) and he is still confused several days later yeah that sounds about right to me Margo what did you think I think I thought exactly like you I was going in like this is going to be very dumb but it ended up being delightful (laughs) and it like grew on you like I, I felt like it grew on me at first, I was like, they're doing weird uh, accents. They're going in and out of the accent. Um, but then they really just played up like that. This is, it's sort of bad, but it's bad because it is bad. It's supposed to be bad. It's, yeah. This is about fun and ridiculousness. And Can I ask, was it when Demi Lovato showed up that you were like, I'm going to forgive all this accent tomfoolery? Because oh, that's when I was like, oh, I give up. We're not going to keep track of these accents. And that's fine. Okay, so were you really upset? Wait, wait. are you saying that like when Demi Lovato showed up, you loved her enough that you forgave everything else? Or was her accent so bad that that was the moment when you forgave up? Was she doing an accent? That's exactly it. She wasn't. And the joke was they said, and her act, her English is so perfect. <laughs> that's when I was like, okay, good. We're not, we don't have to keep track of any of this. And then you had the English guy doing a bad Russian. So it was all, it was all forgiveness for me. And I liked at the end, that during the credits, they put everybody's flag next to them so you could see how, like, multi... <laughs> not multicultural, really, but multinational the cast was. Um, we got our little Canadian flag in there. Uh, thank you, Rachel, for not renouncing your citizenship like everybody else. Um, 
Uh, yeah. Regarding the accent, something I thought was really funny to track is that like Will Ferrell's one of those guys who doesn't have any respect for the script ever. And he just makes, now in all fairness, he co-wrote this, so it's fine. But like, you could tell which scene or which lines were in the script and what was an improvised joke because yes. if he said an improvised joke he hadn't worked on it with his dialect coach and it was <laughs> a particularly bad accent moment yeah um I that's what it. I was picking out yeah that's exactly what I was picking out as well but and but some of those jokes were great some of them were the odd one when when, when it wasn't like when you weren't po- focusing on the um accent going in and out of the accent and then trying to be funny in an accent which sometimes they're struggling as when they're ad-libbing there was the odd fun joke i didn't write them down but I you're not going to reenact it for us right now no i am not oh dear. opportunity my friend That's saturdays <laughs> acting is saturdays <laughs> um well <laughs> I think that though, I think that's just a style thing. Like Will Ferrell for me, one of the things I find frustrating is that improv thing. Like I like improv when it's supposed to be improv, like going to an improv show or the whole thing <laughs> is improv. But um, generally I find that something a quote unquote funny person can come up with on the spot is never as funny as a joke that someone wrote. Um, and like a stand-up comedian would agree with this is sort of like the point, yeah. right? Um, and so that's something I find frustrating about him. And I feel like this movie had a little bit less because usually the ones that are really bad for that are ones where there's a whole pack, usually of like middle-aged white men who've all known each other for way too long and they're riffing off each other. Whereas Will Ferrell was sort of the only person like that in this movie. Everybody else was more of a traditional actor, actor as opposed to yeah. like a comedian actor. So because he didn't have anyone really to riff off, he just kind of, laid off and said the lines a lot more often than he normally does and as such the movie kept its structure um, and it felt somehow meatier than usual usually it's a lot of riffing and not a lot of actual movie um so I think it had more of that which I appreciated and I was very I was very anxious about that when I fired it up and saw that I think what was it like two hours and some odd minutes and I was like I don't know about all this. What have I agreed to? (laughs) But I will say in terms of the pacing, I never, and again, I was high, but I never really uh, had a moment where I was like, you know what? We could wrap this up. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was always kind of like, what nonsense is going to happen next? And I I have to appreciate that because I really, really thought there'd be a real drag in the middle. (laughs) Now, I thought that that song in the middle was a drag. Uh, that song along that song along yeah that was so but but, um we very much disagree on yeah we we disagree on that Matt and I are now on a team (laughs) because the song along was glorious okay (laughs) we had multiple Eurovision winners hello hello of them and they put up put together this beautifully crafted thing that somehow instinctively knew that the song that <laughs> Lars and Secret bonded over was Waterloo. It was, it was, it was glorious. You can't tell me otherwise. I just thought it was, it's like a post credit type, type of song. And it kind of was stuck in the middle of like something was happening here with the, with the couple switching off, but I feel like we also let it go too. Like it wasn't like a huge, like, Sorry, I hate, to, I hate to pile on here, but we, we have to get through this and we have to 
we're about to have a hard conversation. Um, you're wrong, and here's why. <laughs> Um, this is the thing we do to Vargo though, is he'll like offer up a small criticism that he doesn't think of as a big deal and he doesn't care that strongly about. And then we'll be like, you're a villain, how dare you? And then we'll bring it up for the next 40 minutes. And he just meant it as like a 30 second comment. Yeah, I throw away. It was so hard for the first 10 minutes where he was like, good job guys, great <laughs> And then boom, says, nope, didn't like something. Me and Matt are Nope. Except, yeah. So anyway, here's how you're wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I think for me, uh, I have sort of a loose awareness of Eurovision and it was just like, in a movie about Eurovision, you needed this moment of like climactic, overdone, cheesy nonsense. And that's exactly what that was. It was like, we have arrived at Eurovision and this is what it is. <laughs> and without that, you wouldn't understand why all this nonsense music exists. Right. It's not like we have it, it, like we don't have access to that in the States, obviously. Um, I don't believe that anyone from Canada has it or has access to it when it's going on. So it's kind of nice to be brought into the theatricality <laughs> of it. And I was sitting there going, all right. And then What's I started up? a wormhole of old Eurovision YouTube videos for several hours. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how it gets you. And that was the intention of this movie, was to make you do that. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't mind the song along for that same reason. Like, I do think that, especially knowing they were actual, like, Eurovision people, I think it, I think you're all right. I think that Marco <laughs> right in that it had absolutely nothing to do with the plot and did in fact stop the movie. However, I don't think this is a movie where that matters. And I think that for the tone of the movie, and I do like that, like, there, there was a, a big part of this movie was that it was like kind of a love letter to Eurovision more than actually being a story. It was just like, this is a cool, weird thing that exists in the world. And I think we should talk about it more because Americans, again, don't like know what it is really. So I think in that spirit, having a showcase for Eurovision artists in the style of Eurovision is really important. But that said, they absolutely should have done something at the end in the credit sequence when they're showing everybody's flags. They should have told us who the people who had the solos in the song along were. That was kind of irresponsible. And let alone like a, it was obviously like a bad, um, like a missed opportunity. But you can't like showcase these people when the whole point is that no one in North America knows who these people are and then don't tell us who they are. And it, it was like, I was watching, I was like, I know I'm supposed to know, like, I know this is clearly a person. They didn't just pick a random person, um, but they didn't tell me the answer. And that was frustrating. <laughs> um, you're all right at the same time Yay! about the song along. Um, I would like to talk about Dan Stevens for a couple minutes, please. <gasps> yes, because, because I have so many feelings about Dan Stevens. I love him, but I also feel strongly that since he lost all that weight, he's developed really severe evil face. And like, I don't appreciate that because he used to be so much handsomer and now he's way too many angles. But I love him in this movie because I love me an antagonist who's not a villain. And he was not a villain like at all. They just had their one little side character who pushed the plot around. And then they had this other guy who was like a well-intentioned, well-meaning guy who's just kind of sad because he's Russian. And like <laughs> Russian, Russia is oppressive and terrible. And I just thought it was great. And I loved him so much. And I just like everything about Dan Stevens except his evil face. 
I don't even know if it's evil face or that like now that he's post Downton, he's been trying so hard to not be Matthew Crawley that he goes to characters that are the opposite, which happen no, to be villains. The, the Beast is not a villain. This well, no, guy, okay, like so I just said, is one. not a villain. <laughs> but like, what's the, is it the he guest? He did like a horror movie or something. Guest? Yeah, I think it is the guest. Something yeah. like that. I know he post Downton in Legion, which he's really great in. Uh, and oh, it's like yeah. Visual crazy show, but it's always kind of questionable whether he is a villain. So he like, I, I get what you're saying when he's kind of driving real hard away from Downton. Um, but I kind of enjoyed this energy for him in, the, in, in this movie, just because it was sort of like, it was so stupid that it was like, <laughs> how did this person who takes himself so seriously seemingly end up in this movie? I love when that happens. Like, yeah. also Pierce Brosnan, how did you end up? In, like, <laughs> well, Pierce Brosnan's the opposite, right? Pierce Brosnan takes himself not even remotely seriously at all. <laughs> he was in Mamma Mia. That's true. He doesn't like yeah. him some musical movies, but you know who got this part because of Mamma Mia too, right? It's very like you're. It's like Abba. Well, I mean, Abba's in it. Well. Old footage of Abba is in it. I was shocked that Abba wasn't really That's, in it. Yeah. I was expecting big old cameos and didn't get any. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm super impressed by my own uh, Dan Evans trivia knowledge because it really was the guest, like right after. Except that his name is Dan Stevens. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fair. But Dan Evans was in the guest, though. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what did I say? Y'all, help me. I'm tired. Please stop picking <laughs> on me. You said I'm really impressed with everything I know about Dan Evans. Dan, oh, because I was thinking of number one, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I number one, Chris is number one. If I'm going for uh, American, Chris Evans. If I'm going for British, Dan Stevens. <laughs> that checks out. That's good math, I would say. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> nailing this being awake thing <laughs> um can i derail us with a subject please please thank it's you the only thing it's the only thing i'm here for it's the only thing i want to talk about and that's the fashion of the movie like honestly tip to tail every single time they leaned into nonsense nordic fashion <laughs> i was available for it the whole time yeah. every moment i particularly liked the overly royal very marie antoinette vibe that she just decided to start tearing off of herself <laughs> and it somehow just made it even more ridiculous and i'm like and incredible yes. she looks so good in the destroyed version yeah. yes. <laughs> but that's a classic trope is you like take an ugly dress and you pull out the crinoline and take off the sleeves and all of a sudden it's amazing but it was so beautifully <laughs> ugly like i loved I, like before it got torn off i was like this is one of the maybe the worst things that she wore, but I still loved it. It was still like detailed and like, uh, what was it, color blocked very well, yeah. yeah. I think one of the thing I liked about the the fashion in this movie was that it wasn't like, whereas I, oh, some, uh, something about Will Ferrell movies is I feel like his characters often look like cartoon characters and don't have any relation to real human beings. But like this felt like wacky characters, but real wacky characters. Like the scene where he goes to the, the um, cemetery with his dad and his dad's wearing like a gray overcoat and he's wearing that like cream and bold <laughs> striped number but like 
people wear that. I have seen that coat and like that guy would wear that coat. And so he didn't feel like no, no one dressed like a cartoon character. They dressed like sort of kooky outlandish, like, like it's Iceland. You they know? had some fashion sense like yeah. and like they're all artists in some way and but they weren't they weren't wearing like they didn't look like cartoons like they're not going to be turned into Halloween costumes yeah it wasn't campy it was just it was just the right note it was it was I a felt. really it was yeah. yeah they did a really excellent job with I'm glad you brought them up because I had forgotten about them I also like that when they do have certain style choices they like to point out secrets lack thereof so when we see her like with her mom loom, at the loom weaving things, she already looks kind of like the, I'm an artist, mom. I have to go do my art things now. And then when she finally gets to Eurovision, they go, you look like a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just beautiful. They also did great things with her hair, where yeah. her hair had that real sort of like, I'm beautiful and I'm Rachel McAdams, but I have never used product before. And then once she's at Eurovision, someone starts doing her hair for her. It looks like Rachel McAdams' hair, but then she kind of goes back to herself in a way. It's not like that annoying movie makeover thing where like suddenly Anne Hathaway blows out her hair every day in the Princess <laughs> Diaries where she never had time before. Like it, I think they did a really good job of establishing like when styled she looks like this but she's still herself even after the thing um and same thing with like they didn't get a record deal or something they just went back to their town and played in the bar and had a baby and like had a nice life and then had this sort of like dinner party story of that time that they went to Eurovision yeah and I like that kind of to that point you start off the movie seeing quirky secret with the no product hair and the buns and the buns i love the little the little buns um and then you do see her go completely smoothed out hair like normal ish outfits when she's singing double trouble with the sole exception of graham norton's favorite scarf <laughs> um, and then when you get to husevic um she does have kind of it's the happy medium and I liked that part. I was like, okay, well, this is coming together. Thanks, hair and makeup. Yeah. Yeah, I really expected by the end of it that there would be sort of like a final joke about how, in fact, they were siblings. And I have to say, I was kind of annoyed when I didn't get it. <laughs> we kind of did. We kind of did because um, Pierce Brosnan married Helka. We did kind of get it, but I wanted like, oh, we've had a kid, and P.S. Yes, <laughs> we are now siblings. You know what I mean? Like that was the. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's Alabama version of Iceland. We don't want that. We don't want Alabama anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I ultimately, I just feel like if we weren't going to acknowledge the fact that this couple uh, has a wildly hilarious and Hollywood age difference than like <laughs> give me the fact that they're siblings to make it even more nonsense. You know what I mean? No, no. You just tow the Mason Dixon line. You do not go over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, the age difference is such a pet peeve of mine too. Like I always, there is yeah. no movie I watch that I don't like look up the people's ages in during the movie. Um, and this one was 13 years, which it could have been worse. Um, it's, it's 11 oh sorry I meant I, I meant 11 I just said 13 sorry yeah. 
Um, that's not oh, wait, a lot better. Hold on. We have to pay attention to this because there's two different age differences. 13, 11. <laughs> yes, but I didn't say it in the context of I know everything about <laughs> seven. No. <laughs> Uh-huh, sure. Um, defending myself. That's fine. It was 53 and 42, and my brain took the three and just applied it in the wrong place. I can't math. Well, it's not even math. Anyway, um, it's 11 years, which could have been worse, but the fact that it could have been worse is annoying to me. Like, I live in a world where I saw that movie where Colin Firth and Emma Stone were a couple, so now I'm, like, grateful when it's only 11 years. Um <laughs> But to be fair, it was also, I think it's 13 years between Will Ferrell and Pierce Brosnan. So, you know, uh, as a parental relationship, <laughs> fascinating too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that pisses me off far that, less. That, yeah, that was more of my, like, I, this one I can't handle. Right. <laughs> this, one, this is bad casting here, for sure. <laughs> I didn't mind that as much because I felt like they were trying one, the the only two things that I think they wanted with that character is I think they wanted someone like classically masculine and very handsome. And then they also, I think they were trying really hard to do their sort of weird, like here are all the different countries white people can be from thing. <laughs> and the sort of incidental fact that he's from Ireland just kind of let them do that. Cause like, even like they could have hired an American for Rachel McAdams part and it would have had zero difference, but they happened to pick a Canadian. I do think they were purposely doing a, like we're trying to get a bunch of countries um, and Pierce Brosnan just kind of fit that whereas they could have gotten to go off Mamma Mia they could have gotten still in Sarsgaard but they didn't so <laughs> fair yeah but the age difference thing always drives me crazy but people have yelled at me enough for bringing it up all the time they're like we know so I'm just gonna like let it go also because I like Rachel McAdams I love <laughs> <her>. <laughs> okay the whole movie gets a pass because you like her I like her. I mean that's, that's like a sound theory <laughs> general well, it, it's <laughs> okay she guys this a movie like this only goes to someone quote unquote this is going to sound outrageous as old as Rachel McAdams who is 40 what did we establish 42 42 um because it was written by and for a 53 year old man like if this script had just been a spec script floating around Hollywood, this would have gone to a 22 year old. Right. So, you know, we'll take it, <laughs> I guess. I like it would have been Demi Lovato. <laughs> it it might've been Demi Lovato. That's the thing. <laughs> Except it probably wouldn't have been Demi Lovato. It would have been like some cute pixie girl who like can't really support her breath. <laughs> Like it would have yeah. been someone yeah. who can't really say would have it would have been Emma Roberts or someone, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. Demi Lovato plays the Demi Lovato role of like the woman who can actually sing. Yeah. Right. Now, are we ready to talk about Demi Lovato as a ghost, or are we just gonna ignore that? No, we're allowed spoilers. I, oh great. I didn't yeah. understand that. I think that was just them being like, We really want to make sure you got that it was Demi Lovato and we didn't show her for long, so <laughs> See, and I, even the, the second time she came around, it was like, why are you here anymore? Like, uh, Yeah, that's when I thought it was going to be the ABBA cameo. When yes. we heard ghost voices, I was like, oh, finally, we're getting the ABBA cameo. But I did enjoy the Sally Field switch of it, 
when we instead got just more Demi Lovato for no <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I also was like, I I loved the shock of, of the boat blowing up. And they were like, oh yeah, of course, this is how it works. And then also just uh, how they're making jokes about it blowing up and they're very happy about getting into the contest. I just love that moment. And that really sold me on like, this is the direction of this movie. This is the humor of this movie. Um, and Debbie Lovato's dead now. <laughs> so that was more of the shocker than everybody else was also dead. Yeah, I thought they was. I thought she was going to be like the villain of the movie or something yeah. like that. So when they fenced yeah. with her so easily, I was like, oh, that's kind of refreshing. Because that means we're like moving along. We're not dragging little plot points along. We're just like getting on with it, uh, which I appreciated. Yeah, uh, it wasn't dragging along. It was just kind of bringing up certain things as they go, like the recurrent elf joke. Like didn't oh. get, didn't get dragged along with you, but. It did pop up in certain spots, and and it, and it paid off so though. well. Yeah, it just paid off so well in the end. It paid off so well with like the actual plot point of how the elves factor in at the end, but also like from a character and emotional storytelling point of view, it was useful in that it was a way that non-villain Dan Stevens was able to connect with her and make her question her feelings for Lars because this is an element of their of her life that Lars is always just like straight up rejected and had no time for. And Dan Stevens was like, yeah, I get that. Without, and not in like a, you know, initially you meet a character like that and you worry like, oh, this is gonna be cartoon villain guy who's gonna like go along with everything she says just to trick her. But then he was nice and genuinely supportive. And so like that kind of thing created genuine conflict in her because it made her realize something that was missing with Lars um, in a way that when a character like that is just purposely tricking someone or just a straight up villain, then you feel like your main character who's falling for it is kind of dumb, but this uh, served a more interesting function in the story for, and then the character and emotion story for the main two characters, which I really appreciated. Just like a slightly more sophisticated film than usually comes yeah. from this kind yeah. of world. But, and even those two things, the elves and this Bjorg note, the two things that she bonded with this other about also Bjorg note, looked it up, does not exist. According Thank to you. I was wondering the whole time. I was like, I'm end. not going to Google it. But. <laughs> I looked it up. I was like, what is Bjorg note? I'm pretty sure that my phone is confused right now. It's fine. <laughs> it's also sentient now. Um, but I like that they kind of wrapped it all up. So it wasn't just oh, Dan Stevens is the only one who gets me because elves and Spjorgnote, because at the, end, at the end of the day, you see Lars kind of realize that maybe Secret's not this odd, quirky girl because maybe. he didn't just make up elves. Yeah. He's not just, you know, deciding that she's going to believe in things and bring them biscuits and mama's whiskey or everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then at the end, when she actually hits the Spjorg note, which also- It's so perfect. The, the vocal fry, man, they really, they honed it. They harnessed the power of the vocal fry. And I actually had difficulty figuring out if the Spjorg note was a really good high belt or a really high note with a lot of vocal fry. And then I figured out it was a lot of vocal fry. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's also, not a note someone could belt. It's a <laughs> note barely anyone could hit, even in their head voice. I don't Maybe know. Maybe Sarah Brightman. Maybe Sarah Brightman. But Sarah not Brightman would be hitting it in her head voice. She wasn't like right, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No. Taylor Louderman, I believe, could. Uh, not. I think she could. Okay, we're not talking about Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> what what I really like about the that song ending in that note too is I, I find it so rarely in these like competition shows and like this uh, a performance competition type things uh, in movies we I don't actually get a satisfying finale um, and like I believe like they actually should win like the audience thinks that they should actually win where it's more like it's it becomes a contrived in most movies like they just decide that they win even though it's it, it could pass as a win but like this yeah. actually like was a win like it felt like a win it sounded like one yeah it's a good way to cheat the issue of like the songwriters who wrote the songs for this movie have the limitations of they can't write this like world's greatest song so the script can write you know and then she sings the, a mind-blowingly good song but you can't just write a mind-blowingly good song for the movie and then insert it um, I always think about that with um, that song in Greatest Showman, the like never, ever, ever song <laughs> where she's singing it and everyone's supposed to be like, wow, but it's maybe the worst song in the movie. Like <laughs> it doesn't make logical sense that that's the one that they would freak out over and then they would immediately go sing This Is Me, which is better. Um, so the fact that, yeah, they put in like a little, like the crazy note that was, made that song kind of impossible even if it was realistically just a normal song that was not significantly better than Double Trouble and definitely worse than Lion of My Heart or whatever that beautiful Lion of Love, <laughs> Ellie, Lion of Love What the hell, did you even watch the movie? Barely, <laughs> barely <laughs> I watched it entirely and then fast forwarded through all the to just to get to all the Dan Evans scenes There weren't <laughs> any because he wasn't in this movie. <laughs> doesn't exist. I'm never going to live this down, am I? No, it was just so funny. It was like, I know everything about Dan <laughs> Evans. I'm so... <laughs> I have my conceited moments. I need an outlet, Kelly. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Um, let's talk about, on the topic of this note that doesn't exist, and I'm assuming elf mythology that also doesn't exist. That does, actually. Oh, okay. Well, sure. Let's talk about Iceland and the choice of Iceland, <laughs> which always makes me think of the Mighty Ducks 2, because they're the villains in Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> and quite famously, the reason they're the villains in Mighty Ducks 2 is because it was supposed to be sort of like a Russian vibing country. Like, it, they wanted it to be like a cold kind of Europe the continent kind of or like a, over there kind of cold country um but they couldn't pick Russia because it's just too is a little much <laughs> so they picked there's this idea of Iceland as in this movie it was helpful that they're famously quirky but it was sort of it's sort of this country that like no one knows a lot about and they can kind of fuck with them and make up random mythology and things and be reasonably comfortable that they'll get some backlash on Twitter, but like no one will really care. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, they got some details wrong about Argo and a bunch of Canadians were like, ah! So <laughs> I just thought it, Iceland was an interesting one to pick. It almost felt a little bit like, we can pick Iceland because we know you won't yell at us. But also I think like, like the Icelandic people in the movie characters, um, I think Iceland would appreciate this movie 
focusing on Iceland, even if it is bad or like inaccurate. That's true. And that's also yeah. a thing Canada does, right? Like yeah. the, you got everything wrong, but at least it was about Canada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, yeah. Um, and that's a detail of her song that I liked. I liked that she knew that a song that had Icelandic language and it would never win, but she did it anyway. Cause she's proud to be Icelandic. That got me, even though it's like cheesy and dumb. I like it. They, they also use some, uh, uh, Sigur Rós, I don't know how to pronounce their name, but they're an Icelandic band uh, famous for creating a language in their music that is like is, is like an Icelandic, but it's completely new language. And I was around the time where I think he's airporting. He's, uh, he's flying back to Iceland. What is the, is there something about the Icelandic language that makes it unsingable? Like, why would they do that? No, 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 I, th I think they just wanted, um, they're from Ice Iceland, but they wanted, um, it's more of like a atmospheric ethereal type music. Um, but the guy sings and like they made up kind of their own language, but because of their accent, they, they know the language a little bit that they are just kind of screwing with it. So like, it's just like screwing with English and making up words basically. Um, uh, but they're famous for doing that. Cool. If you know them. <laughs> I don't. I don't know very many people, though. Um, I only know, the only thing about Iceland I know is, isn't that the Bjork country? Isn't that where she's from? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah she's, she's much more popular than that, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about Iceland. I think than, Iceland right is green and Greenland is icy. Yes, yeah. I think what's happening right now is you're actually kind of proving your own point about no one knows anything about Iceland, so you can do whatever you want. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, they definitely like stole a lot of just Norwegian stuff and pretended it was like Iceland stuff. And yeah, it was a lot of that. Um, I really like the way they handled the Americans in the movie. I thought oh, yeah. that the fact that it was like four people who were kind of one character and the whole point was just to shit on them. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought it was going to be a throwaway joke. And then I thought, oh, that's cute. That's fun. And then having them come back and have like a hero moment was really kind of special to me. I don't know. I really enjoyed that. But again, I was high. So everything's different. <laughs> I think it also, it, that was another example of like something that felt like a stupid throwaway joke a la Will Ferrell, but then it pulled through the whole movie and then it served an actual purpose because the whole thing is that he comes back at the airport and everyone's watching Eurovision so he can't get a cab. But the Americans are the only people who don't care about Eurovision. So they're there. And I think that was like, a, it, they turned a silly joke into a useful thing. But I also think it was a useful joke in that it covered them a little bit. So when they, so they could do a lot of like, we are telling a story about Iceland where no one Icelandic is involved and we don't know anything about <laughs> Iceland and we're getting a bunch of things wrong. And like, we're just kind of using them to mean like other than here. Um, yeah. like Shakespeare said a bunch of comedies in Italy entirely so that they were just not England. Um, and so that was sort of the effect is just like, it's just, yeah, it's casual Shakespeare reference, it's fine. Um, it was such a solid uh, plot. Yeah. Um, but the, it, yeah, it was just like a function of like, we just picked a random country. And I think that having the anti-American jokes set them up to, for protection. So it didn't have that vibe of like, oh, the only country that counts is America. Yeah. Which is a real thing uh, in their heads. And so it, protected them from criticism a little bit by being self-deprecating. 
Nicole was offended. Nicole's the only American here though, right? Matt, I know. Not American. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> um, you're a member, so we can bully you. Oh, I'm good with it too, because my country is an absolute mess, right? <laughs> I mean, you're whole. doing better than you were a month ago. What now? You're doing better than you were a month ago. So uh, good. <laughs> No, definitively. Come on. We have an orange man. Yes, but not for long. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, this is not. We have filed at least 86 lawsuits about this. But they're all not working, which is great. They are one, one to 41 as of today. Ooh, I didn't know they won one. Yeah, it was actually one in Pennsylvania, and it was to move the deadline from nine days to six days thereby disenfranchising only a few thousand people as opposed to hundreds of thousands of people. So yay, my state. <laughs> and I, most of my American friends vote in useless states. And so the fact <laughs> that you actually vote in Pennsylvania, I was quite proud. I was like, watch them go. Like watch the marker move across. <laughs> I was like, go Nicole, go. <laughs> I have, I am not kidding. I have my, my I have from my Fitbit, my heart rate did not go below oh my God. for four days. It didn't. Wow. Even a little bit. My my wow. heart rate was like, great job. You're in the cardio zone. And I'm like, that's not good. It means <laughs> I need more medication. Okay. But Eurovision. But Eurovision. So I, I can segue from that. I was a little confused about the uh, the voting system that they had with the with the countries, and then and then the popular vote. Did did anybody else like? Oh, that was easy. That? They each country had a jury, and they each country had thirty points. And so they like the Olympics, first, first, second, and third, and they had to attribute those thirty points to three countries. One okay. got eight, one got twelve, and then math. And so. <laughs> So each each country that was represented with an artist got to vote. Is that what yes? You're yes. Okay. Yeah. And but they couldn't vote for themselves, and that oh, okay. was just to get into the finals. And then the finals was like a call-in, like an American Idol style vote, I think. Cool. What I found confusing was why didn't Dan Stevens have to compete in the semifinals? Because there's two different nights. Or oh, three. so he did. He just competed the night before. It was very mentioned where he's he's because he's talking to Rachel McAdams before she goes out and sings "Double Trouble" with Killer Scarf. Yeah. And, he and, said she she said you're not performing tonight, right? And he said no. And then I was like, does he get to automatically advance because they think he'll win, <laughs> or like is it just a Russia thing? Like what is? <laughs> I mean, Eurovision is political, but it's not that political. <laughs> Next question. I assumed that to be in Eurovision, because it's called Eurovision, it was just for the countries that are officially part of the European Union. But then Israel was in the top, and I was very confused, and also Russia. And I was just like, who, who is in this, and why are they? Really is also in it as well. And it's, it's because it's become a real global sort of thing, right? It, it spread very... Well, maybe not very quickly, but it has spread globally. And there is a lot of energy around it in Canada as well. Like I know, tons of the people I know are like, they have like Eurovision festivals to enjoy this nonsense parade that is Eurovision. The more I definitely know people who watch it. I just know that they have to like illegally stream it. So 
The more you people speak about the things you guys get to enjoy, the more I want to move. Well, it's not that we get to, it's that we choose to, because again, (laughs) we don't have more access to Eurovision than you do in terms of what they put on cable, but Canadians are more likely, I say this as someone who doesn't watch Eurovision, but that's because I'm not very goofy, not because I'm like nationalist, but (laughs) Canadians are more likely to like do, participate in things happening elsewhere. Well, so we have that connection to the UK as well. Like we still have that connection, whereas America literally did not want that connection anymore. So they fought so B- with guns. And- yeah, so we so we get some BBC, whereas America, I, has, you have to I like that two Canadians are trying to explain American history to an American right now. I'm upset. This is oh, no, very- I totally, trust me. I know the American history side of it all. <laughs> I thought you might. We're explaining is why your history reflects that you're worse humans. Yeah. That's all we're saying. And we're not explaining the actual event. We're saying how it metaphorically means that you're all bad. I'm just saying why we have access to European things versus. I I still love you best. (laughs) Wow. I thought we were on a team. Okay. (laughs) All right. I don't know. You lost points when you sided with Kelly there on that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I've been joking. You're like the first person who knows that I thought about going to law school in Canada. Yeah. And then I didn't and decided mm-hmm. to be misguided <laughs> and practice it here where we don't get to say what my friend means. Now we're just opposing counsel. Really? <laughs> Sounds fine. In all fairness, I don't know very much about the Canadian legal system. I don't, I'm sure I know people who are lawyers here, but like, I don't really know people who are lawyers here. And so everything I know about the law comes from like watching American television shows. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I know Aaron Sorkin. Lawyers than you do. <laughs> yes. Well, so yeah, uh, coming up on Saturday, Corona Cold Reads does A Few Good Men and I can recite the movie version of A Few Good Men almost verbatim off the top of my head. So that's where my legal knowledge comes from. Is this where we tell you to do that right now? Like the audience? Well, I just, I want to hear the recitation of the movie version. Well, so it's tricky because it starts with a long silent sequence, right? Like it starts with... (laughs) So like the the shot the gloomy shots of the army base in Santiago and then and then it has the scene with the code red where it, but it's all she's doing, it. she's doing it right now. Like, it takes a while before we actually hear words and then you've got the whole rifle thing that happens. So you the first words are not actually that memorable because it's just like Joe walking across the campus saying like sir I'd like to request that I I mean that I be the one who and like you know she's sort of mumbling to herself so it it doesn't start with like a bang and a famous speech or anything it just sort of starts with images and then you know so yes I can (laughs) (laughs) I I am now confident that you could (laughs) I just like that movie a lot um so we'll see well because there's only two of them and one of them is yes sir (laughs) yes (laughs) I think it's yes sir and okay or something like that right (laughs) Yes, one of them is definitely yes, sir. Yeah. The other one is sir. It might be just, yeah, it's like sir or like, it might be yes, sir, twice. I don't know, something like that. Um, anyway, Eurovision. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you mean not Corona Cold Beats? 
<laughs> have anything else to say about Eurovision? I will never stop loving Rachel McAdams. She's lovely. She's lovely. And she's, if I can look like Rachel McAdams at 42, will consider myself a successful human being. I mean. She's gorgeous. Yeah, but she was, all, that's not because she's aging that well. It's just because she's, that's what she looks like. <laughs> yes. So what I'm saying is. So you're saying you want your face to morph into hers as you age. That's the form of aging you like is macadamifying. Yes. Okay. So it's, not quite, it's not quite like a Paul Rudd where um, she looks the same as she did a decade ago. It's, she's kind of like aging. Like a fine, in, fine whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Like every now and then I will say in Eurovision, the movie we're talking about, um, she would occasionally like, you'd see some crow's feet and I'd be like, yes, bitch. Yes, you do. <laughs> you crow's feet, but you still look perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love her to death. She's awesome. She's the best. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have no final thoughts on Eurovision other than um, if you're not high, you're doing it wrong. And the fashion, that's it. That's that's my main takeaway. It's 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 one of the Will Ferrell movies that I recommend. And it grows on you if you listen to me about recommendations. I may be an expert in Kelly Bedard, but I am not an expert in Dan Evans, <laughs> <laughs> but also 10 out of 10 loved all of the music and how it was sung. So if, even if you just get the enjoyment out of the music and how absurd, but also well-crafted it is. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a nice little watch when you're, when you're feeling blue or when you're working and you just need something on in the background. <laughs> I will say I watched it in the, I was watching the Queen's Gambit and then I got too depressed and I turned it off and watched Eurovision instead. <laughs> and that's the right way to watch it. When you're watching something like long and depressing and then you're like, but Eurovision instead. Also, you and I are going to have to have a conversation about that off podcast. Ooh. <laughs> um, before we do that, I would like um, Vargo and Matt to vote do you think that means Nicole likes the Queen Ga Queen's Gambit or dislikes the Queen's Gambit? I think Nicole likes it. Well, I think she doesn't. Ooh, I think she does. But I will let you know. Updates. <laughs> okay. Like me to tell you now so that they both know. No, it's a it's a cliffhanger, and then people will find out if they listen to the podcast in twenty twenty two. Oh, it's gonna get even better. Ready? Are we talking about the book or the movie? Because now I have seen and read The Queen's Gambit. Well, first of all, it's a television series, so we'll see. Okay, bye, recording.